of the Lord. Some of you can catch your, your breath because that's the only time you'll exercise this week. But the Lord will be with you. Well, this uh, morning at the 830 service, we had a wonderful message by uh, Dr. Fred Opie. Just an amazing thing opportunity to check that message out. Uh, this uh, afternoon, we have uh, another speaker. Uh, it's amazing that our church, by the grace of God, is filled with so much talent that men who, men and women, who can deliver the word of God, but uh, today is uh, Father's Day, and uh, I, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big guy on character. Uh, image is what you do in public, but character is what you do in private. Um, I had a, a guy who I discipled text me because he's watching uh, online and he texted me and said, Happy Father's Day. And I texted him back and I said, uh, thank you for being a good father because your fruit doesn't lie. I, and I said, you raised good children and now they're wonderful adults and you're to be commended. And um, this man, I, I've grown impressed with him, not because of uh, his giftings and his skills, which are uh, quite remarkable uh, throughout his career, but I'm more impressed, obviously, with his marriage, but I've watched his sons, and I, I remember his sons giving some remarks, and I was like, my goodness, if his sons can speak like that, I wonder what their dad is like. And, uh, and so I was really ex excited when Henny told me that he asked uh, this man to be, a, uh, to be the speaker for Father's Day. And so I could say a whole lot more about him, but I'm just so grateful that God has brought him and his family to PT and that they have been a blessing ever since they've been here. So uh, without any further ado, speaking to us this morning is Brother Paul Griffith. Settle down, settle down. I don't need those kinds of expectations. I was sitting there in the front row thinking the closest experience I've had like this was the one time I jumped out of a plane. And I thought I knew what I was doing. And I got in the plane, and it's going up, and it's getting closer and closer to when they're going to open the door. And I'm ready, and I'm ready, and I'm ready. And then they open the door, and I thought, what am I doing? 
So I'm gonna jump out. Uh, I'm gonna jump out of this plane. Um, hopefully that you'll you'll be there. Um, I got. Uh, I brought some friends with me in the front row right here. Uh, this is Team Bible Quiz. My hype corner. This is my hype corner. So if you don't like my jokes, I brought I brought some of my. These are my. These are uh, some of my my natural sons. Some of my sons in the spirit uh, sitting in the front row. Uh, happy to be here on Father's Day. Thank you. Uh, I'm very excited. I've uh, I've not done this before, uh, but I always enjoy talking about God, and I found um, I found a couple rules that help me have a great conversation uh, about God with people. And so I want to hold myself accountable uh, to that. So I'm going to give you some of these rules, and I'll tell you that whoever's running my slides, I'm just going to point. So we're going to we're going to get this. My clicker did not work, but I feel you. Okay, here it is. Uh, so. There it is. Okay, so here are my ground rules. You're good. Uh, here are my ground rules for uh, talking about God. I have four of them. Here's my first one. Bam. Okay. So it's got to be real. Uh, I think in my conversations with people about God, uh, what I've realized is I want to I hear, hear from the heart. I want to hear things that are real. And um, you ever have a conversation and it feels like you're like talking to a textbook and it's going kind of one-sided? Uh, so I, I, like to, I like to set boundaries, only three quotes. So if you're uh, if you're here, if you like the Bible, you get three good quotes, uh, but I'm going to limit it to three just to make sure that we're having a real conversation. Uh, second, my second rule is uh, I want it to be personal. So I'm going to take a risk being known since I'm the one who's talking up here. I'm going to take a risk uh, talking about myself and since it's Father's Day, some about my family. I'll tell you some funny stories. Uh, I'll tell you some sad stories. Uh, but I've been on an epic journey uh, to learn how to be more vulnerable. Um, and uh, with a group of people. And so um, I, want you to, I want you to experience uh, something about me and that you'll walk away hopefully knowing more about me. Uh, my third rule, she's good, uh, is that I want it to be fun. Um, I don't want it to feel like a sales tactic, right? I don't want it to feel like this is a conversation I'm trying to get you into a timeshare. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that I gotta, what's it gonna take to get you into this religion today? Act now. Okay, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, and this third rule is really strange. Third rule is I really want conversations about God to be fun. And I believe that God is a fun God. I actually have proof. I have proof today. Do you know what my, you know what my proof is that God is a God who knows how to have fun? Here's the proof. A platypus. <laughs> have you ever seen a platypus? Here's what a platypus is. A platypus looks like it was the end of the day and God's cleaning up, you know, and he's made all the animals and there's like a tail and, and there's a bill, and there's some feet, and he just, he just kind of put it together, right? Like, you know, when you make furniture, and you have the leftover parts? And, and actually, in 1799, when the first platypus uh, ended up going to England, the scientists thought he was being pranked. And he was right by God. The platypus, the platypus is, it's the chicken McNugget of the animal kingdom, right? It's kind of mixed up in there. You're not really sure what it is. Uh, I haven't seen, I haven't seen something this, this more strangely put together than the New York Jets. It's my hype corner. It's my hype corner. It's my hype corner. It's my hype corner. Yes. So, fun story. My brother-in-law, my brother-in-law and my sister couldn't be here today, so I'm wishing him a happy Father's Day. He has to listen to the audio of this, and he lives in New York. So, I'm sorry, if you're a New York sports fan, drink some water. It's going to get saltier. Don't worry. Uh, 
We're gonna have fun. We're gonna have fun. Not a sales taxi. Here's my fourth rule. Here's my fourth rule. Uh, it's got to be rewarding. So I want you to leave here feeling like uh, we had it was better than when we started the conversations. So I'm gonna try to do. Uh, I'm gonna try to do those four things. I want it to be real. I want it to be personal. I want it to be fun, and I want it to be rewarding. And uh, let me just tell you, if uh, if I'm not familiar to you, um, I'll explain why in a minute. Um, I normally don't come to PT South. Uh, I normally go to PT North. Anyone at the anyone at PT North this morning? Yes. Fred Opie was there. I love Fred. Uh, Fred is cool. I am not cool. I just want to lower your expectations again. Uh, but Fred is really cool. And if you're from the 8:30, um, and I don't look familiar, I actually go to the other service uh, at PT North. Yeah, the other it's the 9:15 service. Do you not know this? Yes, in other churches it's called the Ministry of the Overflow Room, right? I, I, call, it, I call it the church under the stairs. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about the, the congregation that I go to, just so you have my vantage point coming into this conversation. Um, you know, it is uh, the church under the stairs. It's, it's very vibrant. It's got kids in it, right? It runs out. I have kids. They do not like to wake up at 8 o'clock <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so there's kids there. Uh, sometimes there's people who are just, you're just late, you get caught in traffic. Uh, maybe you have a conversation with your spouse and, you know, you're, you're running behind. Uh, but it's also, it's also a place where people who maybe just want to hang back uh, can come and be. And so I really, like, uh, I really like the church under the stairs. Uh, it's, a good th it's a good place to be. I will tell you occasionally, you know, they have these screens and we can hear the music and it's super exciting. Uh, but the song that we just did like two weeks ago, Emmy did. And if you're in the other building, if you don't know it, the, it's kind of a small floor. And ladies... Your exquisite shoes. When you are doing this, it's like ball peen hammers. And I am not joking. I'm not joking. Two weeks ago, the cameras started to rock like this. And so we're trying to, we're like trying to keep up with the songs. And I'm self-conscious enough about my rhythm in this church. And I'm just trying to follow it along. But it's good. It's good. I like, I like being at the, uh, the Church of the Stairs. I did not grow up... Um, I'm not grow up in this. You don't need to worry about us. You know, in, in God's economy, the last are first, so uh, we get coffee ahead of everyone else. That's the nice thing about being the church under the stairs. But I didn't, I didn't grow up in this environment. Uh, I grew up in a uh, Irish Catholic church, and uh, if you know anything about Irish Catholic church, there's a 9 a.m., there's a 10:10, there's an 11:20, there's a 12:34, there's a 117 Express, there's a 2:50. Right? They kind of get all of their. Uh, they get all of their, uh, their services down, and uh, it's very efficient. And so what I appreciate is it's actually fairly hard uh, to sneak in if you come late. And I already told you I have kids and I've come late. Uh, so let me tell you what it's like. Bishop, can I borrow you for a second? I know how much you like to, um, how, how much you, you like to use people in your illustrations. I'm going to give you that same service. Do you mind? Yeah, come on up here. Come on up here. Yeah, give him a hand. Uh, give him a hand. I want to tell you something I really appreciate about this church, but I need to show it to you first. So here's what happens at uh, Catholic Church. Uh, they're always the same. So you have, you, have the, uh, you have the song, and then you have the first reading, and the second reading, and then you have the reading of the gospel, and the homily, and then you have the communion, and then you have the benediction, and then you have the parking lot. Have you ever noticed all Catholic churches have parking lots? It's part of the service, so we kind of extend the blessing into it. But here's what happens if you come late, will you stand behind the lectern? Yeah, you look good there, you look comfortable. This is good, this is good. Here's what happens if you come late to a Catholic church. Now, you get, don't get too comfortable. i got to get through this. Uh, these, these seats start to fill up around 8.45, 9 
you know, by 9 o'clock you're here, by like 9.05, by 9.10, and by 9.15, if I come, the priest is already up there, and maybe he's reading the gospel. Now, now you have a choice to make. He's looking down. If I look down, go ahead, look down like you're reading. Yeah, there it is. And you have to see if you can make it without being spotted, right? And so sometimes, you know, you try to get, move over, move over, you're trying to get in, and then you're on the other side, and then he finishes the gospel, and he looks at you. There's only one place you can go, the front row, which they call Sinner's Row, Sinner's Row. You don't want that. You don't want So I appreciate the fact that we have church under the stairs. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold on. I forgot. Yes. I forgot. Now, normally, normally when Bishop calls someone up, he pays them money. Uh, but that would be weird because uh, I'm cheap. Uh, but, but it's Father's Day, so I want to say a blessing for you. Is that okay? I just want to say um, I really appreciate you. I see uh, you talked about character, and I see just the tip of the iceberg on Sunday, and I want you to know all the choices you make in your life to be the man that you are. For the little time I see you on Sunday, I appreciate that, that it is an honor for me to consider you a spiritual father. It's an honor for me to see you interact with my kids, and I, I just, I really appreciate that. And so it's Father's Day, and I just want to honor you for that. Thank you very much. <laughs> made me nervous to be up there. I think I'm going to be down here now. Uh, okay, so um, let, me, let me just talk about, let me talk about church, because that's what I'm here to, to do today. I'm going to talk a little bit about church, and, uh, and the meaning of church, and where the language of church comes from. Can I get the next slide? You're good. Okay, so what does the word church mean? Uh, it's actually an English word, and it means of, of the Lord. It's actually not so much a place. We think of church as a, as a building now, and so I want to spend a little time talking about uh, maybe a different definition of church. Uh, and, and actually, when you think about the word, the next one, uh, the word, uh, the idea of church is actually more about belonging. And so the sense of church is not, it's a place uh, that we go to, but it's kind of a sense of, of who we are and how we interact together. Uh, and in fact, if you really get down to it, this is an English word, church. Uh, I went back to kind of the, the old Greek you know, like Bishop likes to do from time to time. And, uh, and here's what the Greek word uh, really, the meaning of church is from ecclesiastic. It means called out. We actually don't have a good, um, a good word for it. Maybe saint might be the best word that we could come up with it. Uh, but it's the idea that, that you're kind of called out. And so this idea of being called out should have us beg the question of, of to what? Called out to who? And that's something that I'm going to explore uh, today. Uh, first, I want to tell you a little bit about who I am, and the best way to do that is to, uh, to like some other people, give you a genealogy. So I'll give you a quick genealogy of who I am. Uh, my, uh, my last name is Griffiths. Uh, that's, uh, that's a Welsh name, and Wales is not very, a very popular place. It's known for two things, coal mining uh, and a revival in the last 200 years. And so my great-grandfather uh, came over here, uh, from Wales to, to dig coal in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's as fun as it sounds, Scranton, Pennsylvania, yes. It's a big kind of coal mining community. Uh, and my grandfather, next slide, my grandfather was Harold Griffiths. And, uh, and Harold was an interesting guy. I actually, my middle name is Harold, and so I'm named after him. And he was a cop. And he was an Irish, uh, he was a, a beat cop in an Irish town 
uh, which was Scranton. And his job was kind of to wander around and make sure that everything was okay. And he would come home, and my grandmother would count out the money. And if there was a little bit of money missing, uh, it wasn't because he was, he was out carousing or anything. It was typically because he bought some kid a pair of shoes. And so from my, from my grandfather, I really learned how to see people on the margin and how to take care of kids on the margin. And that's something that, that, um, that I, really, I really love about him. Uh, he was also, though, a funny guy, and he was a really, um, he was a full contact parent. Uh, so one of the best stories is my, he had three sons, and uh, sons are, um, are sometimes knuckleheads. And they went to a wedding, and this was 50 years ago in, uh, in Pennsylvania, and one of my uncles had turned 18, and at the time, you could drink if you were 18. And so he decided to be a big man, and he started drinking in front of his mother. And she was mad. My grandmother was about five feet tall. She walks up to my grandfather, and she said, do you know what your son is doing? And believe me, when my wife says to see it's my son, <laughs> I know it's my job to fix it. So, uh, so my uncle was, was not in a, in a great state, and, uh, and so my grandfather grabs him, and he, he brings him up to the bar, and he's, he's going to try to kind of sober him up, and he's sitting there and uh, says to the, the bartender, give him, a, give him an egg cream soda. And for those of you not familiar with this, the two main ingredients, it's no surprise, are egg and cream. So the bartender goes down to the little, the little refrigerator, and he goes, no, 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 no. Get him one from the back. Get him one that's warm. And then he sat there, and he made my uncle drink a warm egg cream soda and wouldn't let him go home until he was finished. 20 minutes later, my uncle is in the one bathroom in their tiny little house praying like he has never prayed before. And my grandmother is over there yelling at him, good for you, good for you. <laughs> That's the kind of full contact parenting that I really appreciated and I also got uh, from my grandfather. Uh, let me talk about my dad. I'm also named after my dad. Uh, so my, my first name is Paul, Paul Harold Griffith. So I'm named after both, both the big men in my family. And uh, my dad was the first, uh, the first to go to college. Uh, so when he was growing up, he was the first one to graduate from college. He used to joke that uh, he was about my size, and so there were three, three brothers, and they would sleep all in the same bed. And so the, uh, the first one to get out of bed in the morning uh, got the clean pair of pants. And uh, so that he, he ended up moving. He ended up going to Detroit uh, to get a master's degree. He was pursuing a master's degree, which was a big honor. And he moved to Detroit. And here's the thing. He didn't, he didn't have a lot of money. And so he was trying to figure out, uh, he was trying to figure out how to make, make, uh, make ends meet. And uh, what he realized about Detroit is Detroit was similar to Scranton in that it had a large Catholic community. And the Catholic community there was Italian and Polish. Uh, but all the kind of weddings ran the same. And so here's what he realized. He would go and he would read the newspaper, and he'd look for the big Polish and Italian weddings on Friday and Saturday night, because that's when the dorm was closed. And he would figure that because, you know, Catholic churches, they run a certain 5 o'clock was mass, 6 o'clock was a blessing, 7 o'clock they started dinner. By like 9.15, things were rolling at, at a Catholic wedding. And so what he and his friends would do is they would show up, and they would sneak in, and this is how they would eat. And so they started doing this on Fridays and Saturday nights. And so they would show up, uh, and they walk in, and someone would say, 
uh, oh, hey, can I excuse me? And he'd go, yeah, are you with the bride or the groom? And they would say, bride, I'd say, oh, we're friends of the groom. And then they would go in and they would eat as quickly as they can before someone asked them to leave. So this is how they meet, this is how they meet ends meet. And, and here's the thing. People knew, people knew it. They showed up in cut-off shorts uh, and, and Chuck Taylor sneakers. They weren't fooling anyone. But this is something that I learned from my father, and it's something that's really important uh, to me. It's on the next slide. It's that when your party is so good that strangers walk in, you make them family. People were so happy. They were just so happy with the party going on, they, they didn't care. And they embraced them, and there was actually a, a picture of my father dancing with the bride in his cut-off shorts. <laughs> Like this. It was one of his favorite things. So that's what I learned from my father. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, I'm going to punch my, my ticket on my first, uh, my first scripture, if that's all right. Ready? So if you go on the next slide. Uh, I'm going to tell a, a story you might know. Um, it's called The Good Samaritan. And we lose a little bit of the meaning of Samaritan uh, because it, it doesn't necessarily mean what it did to the people who heard it. And if you heard the story back in the day, you would know two things immediately. First, the Samaritans were people who didn't kind of follow the Jewish traditions. And so in that case, they were outcasts. So you would have, you've heard the word sinner in that explicitly. And the second, they intermarried with people who were kind of the ruling class. So they were kind of traitors. So you would have heard sinner and traitor in the word Samaritan, which is just lost on us today. And you know this is true because the word good is in front of it. That implies an exception, right? Like if I said, the good New York Knicks, you would be terribly confused. Come on, come on, come on. Here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. Okay. <clears throat> I love you, Eddie. Uh, so uh, so let, let's do it. Let's get there. Here's the story. Next slide. Uh, this is Jesus uh, talking uh, to a religious scholar. A religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. He says, teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus answered, what is written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And then what happens is funny. Uh, this scholar gives him the right answer. He says that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. And that phrase is pretty famous. That's the Shema. Uh, so if you were a Jewish person, this is like the greatest hits of God. Like you would know this. This was like, this was like saying the Ten Commandments. This was like raising your hand in church and being like Jesus, right? Like this is technically the right answer. But then uh, Jesus says, good answer. Do it and you'll live. But then looking for a loophole, he asked, and how would you define neighbor? And he wants to set a limit on what he's being asked to do. And so Jesus answers by telling a story. Now, I have to say, sons, when I tell you a story, do you know what's about to go down? Yes. So when I launch, as a parent, when I launch into a story, I'm kind of instructing them, and they know this. Uh, so here's what happens. There was, uh, Jesus says, there was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. 
Then he lifted them onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver corn, coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you back. That's the story Jesus tells. Now, let me call a couple things out of here. First is, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, um, it was famously narrow. So the implication is that the priest uh, and the religious man are angling and avoiding. They're like, they're like trying to not touch this guy and go out of their way. Here's what the Samaritan does. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Then he gave, then he lifted, then he led, then he made him comfortable, and he paid. That's commitment. So then Jesus turns. Next slide. Jesus says, what do you think? Back to the man who asked this question. Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The, the, one, who, the one who treated him kindly. The religious man responds. And Jesus says, go and do the same. And I like to have, I don't know if you, you're familiar with different Bibles, there are different Bibles that amplify, that kind of imply things. I have my own amplification for this moment, and it's this. Mic drop. That was a joke, that was a joke. Am I losing you already? Okay. Not a real translation. Jesus says, go and do the same, and it's a final word on it. There is no other question about what it means. You go and you do. That's it. Let me talk about let me talk about why the story um, resonates with me on on Father's Day. So I told you the fun story about my dad. Now I'm going to tell you a sad story about him. My dad got multiple sclerosis, uh, which, if you don't know, is a disease that slowly takes away your ability to run, then your ability to walk, then your ability to control your body, like your bladder or your bowels. And I was a teenager at this time, so I actually never, I never knew my father uh, to run or walk without some assistance. And it was my job to kind of help him during the day. And I say that not for sympathy, but I think this is a place we need to talk about things like that. So I'm just sharing it with you if you feel comfortable sharing with me. And it, it's just real. And, uh, and here's why the story reminds me of my dad. My father... Um, had the same job. He worked for the same place for 27 years. A very loyal man. And he still had enough ability to drive himself to work. And he would drive himself to work and he'd park in the handicapped spot. You know how they're right in front of the door? And he would open the door and then he would wait. Because to get around, he needed a wheelchair. And so he would wait for someone to come by. And they'd have to open up the trunk of the 1975 town and country Chrysler station wagon and take out his wheelchair. And it wasn't an easy task. This is not like a small folding wheelchair. It was an electric wheelchair. And so it was about this big, and the base was about 50 pounds. So he needed to wait for someone to take the base out, put it on the ground, then take the battery, attach the battery, then take the seat, attach the seat, then take the steering wheel and attach the steering wheel. And then you had to drive it over to the front of the car. And then someone actually had to physically lift him and put him in the chair every day. And every day to get home, he had to find someone who would take him, put him in the car, and put the wheelchair back in. 
And I think about this story for two reasons. One is, some nights he would come home late, so he would sit there. And some mornings he would miss meetings, because he would sit there, just waiting for someone. And I think my father was never upset about it. I think I, 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 really, I really love my father's willingness to be in need. He never complained about it. I think that's holy. I think that's the kingdom of God. I want to believe in a God who's going to see that need and address it. And so I think about him. But I also think about the people who were busy and were on their way and just had to stop and made the decision to stop. And maybe, maybe they had grease on their hands. Maybe they were late for an important meeting. Maybe no one thanked them. And I want to believe in a God that sees that as holy too. That sees those little actions, those little connections as having value. I, I think that is also the kingdom of God. And so this story is really personal to me because I think it's about being in need and seeing the need. And when I think about my father, he was, he was good at that. And he, was always, he always wanted to make other people comfortable. He was very funny. He would tell jokes. But it was obvious. He had, no, he had no illusions that he was someone who needed others. And I love that about him. <clears throat> so, um, well, I'm, I'll move on to my, my next scripture. I'll pu punch my second one. I just want to remind you of our meaning of the church uh, to be called out. So you'll see where I'm going in a minute. Um, I also want to talk about... Uh, some other word, the origin of the word Christian. So I, I have a challenge. I have friends who have a challenge with the word Christian uh, just because of what it's, it's become. But I actually went back to the original, uh, the original text that was used, uh, and it was actually used in Antioch. Uh, Antioch was uh, really important in the, in the Roman world. So Rome uh, at the time was the seat of power. It was like the Washington, D.C. Um, Antioch was the center of commerce. Um, so it was a little bit more like New York City. Uh, it was cosmopolitan. Lots of internationals lived there. Had terrible sports teams. There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. So, um, so I just want to talk about. But this is actually where the first word, first use of the word Christian. So let me just read it for you, and I'll, I'll break down in a minute. Uh, However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. This is new. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on a Tarsus to look for Saul. I hate to give away the ending. He becomes Paul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the first believers were called Christians. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings and learned that a severe famine was about to devastate the, devastate the country. So the disciples decided that each of them would send out whatever they could to their fellow Christians in Judea to help out. Let me highlight a couple things real quick. Go to the next slide. The believers right now are, are Jewish brothers and sisters. They are, they, are, they are people who are following the Jewish law and now are following Jesus. So when the Gentiles are introduced and a large number are there, it's, it's fairly confusing. This is, this is new. Nothing like this has happened before. When we talk about the early church, again, it's not a building. It's a sense of belonging. These are people who are being called out. And they were teaching crowds, and it's actually the believers were first called Christians. It's not what they called themselves. Other people called them it. And I'll come to that in a minute. 
And then last, uh, there's Agabus. Agabus is like one of my favorite characters of the Bible. He's a platypus in the Bible. You're like, God has a sense of humor. I don't know what he's doing here. Uh, he has pierced twice. This is only the first time. But he stands up and says, well, send whatever they could to their fellow Christians in Judea. That means the Jewish people, the Jewish brothers and sisters. This catches on in such a radical way that now everyone is considered to be kind of in, in this idea of Christian. And it means something totally different than we understand now. So it started with an insult. Uh, and actually, the intended meaning of Christian was like, ha ha, little Jesus. It's like if I was up here and someone said, oh, I'm trying to act like bishop, and li I'm like a little bishop. Now, for me, that's not an insult because I admire bishop. I'd be happy if you thought I was a little less than him. And so that's how it starts. It starts off as an insult. But that's not actually what it means. Uh, the reason that the name Christian stuck was because in Antioch there were so many different types of people. And they were all living in their own separate communities that when the large people came together, they had to come together in common. And they started living together. And so it wasn't that they were calling themselves Christians. It's someone else was trying to figure out, where are you all from? I don't understand. You speak different languages. You eat different food. Why are you hanging out together? It made no sense to the world. So really, really the meaning of Christian, literal meaning of Christian means to belong to Jesus' party. That's what it means. You can applaud for that. It means belonging to Jesus' party. And so we'll look at what that party looks like because, because some of the meaning of this has gotten lost. And I want to I talk about how to bring some of that back. I'm going to punch my ticket on the third, on the third uh, reading here. Um, and, uh, and this is a high bar. So this is a parable of the great feast. Uh, and, uh, and here's what happens. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it'll be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with this story. Have they learned nothing? Have they learned not to try to suck up to Jesus? All they get is a story. All they get is a story back. Jesus replies with the story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent a servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come. Here's what's happening in this. And again, some of this is maybe a, a, little, a little lost in us. You can go to the, the next one. Uh, this, at this time, the sending out of many invitations, if you were having a great feast, you'd send two invitations. One was like a save the date card. So these are people who said yes. And now it was time to come, and all of a sudden, they're full of excuses. So come, it's ready, but excuse me, excuse me, I can't. Then, next slide, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So the master said, go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. So the stakes are real. Go to the next slide. The stakes are real. Here's what happens with the servant. The master is furious. He says, go quickly. Go and do. To who? The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And there is still room for more. Jesus' tent is huge. 
There is still room for more. Urge anyone so the house will be full. And then none of those first invited, those people who said they were about my mission, yeah, I don't know that they're coming. This is a high bar for us. Here's how I put all these three things together. And I'm, I'll, I'm going to close out in a minute. i got two more points to make. If you go to the next slide, here's how I put all these things together. If you think about the meaning of servant, it's really to bring everyone in. That's what the servant means, someone who's devoted to bringing this all in. So how do I understand the kind of mission, the mission of what, of what we're doing here, of, of why we get together as people? It's this. I understand the mission. Next slide. This is really powerful. Thank you. No, no, there you go. Uh, I, understand, uh, I understand that we are called out to belong to Jesus' party and to bring everyone in. That's the work of the church. That's the work of the church. And so what Christian church should mean is we're on a rescue mission to love the world. That's it. We're on a rescue mission to love the world. So um, here's what I wanted. I told you that, uh, that I wanted to, to pray for some. I want to do some of that work now. And, uh, and I just want to, I want to bless some people here. If you're a father today, can you stand? Can you stand if you're a father? Stand. I just want to, uh, I just want to acknowledge you all. I want to say, uh, as I said with Bishop, thank you for all the decisions that you make. Thank you for the decisions that you make for your family. I know they're not easy. Thank you for the honor that you try to bestow upon your family. And I just want to say that we see you and we know you and we receive you. I just want to bless you as fathers. Thank you. And uh, and if you're, I'm going to ask to take a if you're struggling with all the father talk today, if you feel like you're hurt, if you feel like your father was a disappointment, or, or you're disappointed about being not being a father, or it's just Sunday and it's a tough day, I'd like to bless you too. Is there anyone here that who's willing to take the risk just to stand? Anyone? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I just want to say that we see you, and we accept you, and we love you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because here's the thing. This is it. This is, this is the work. This is the work that we've been given to do. You're either here because you're in the ditch and you need help, or you're here because you're pulling someone out. And one week... You might be one, and the other week, you might be the other. <laughs> so I want to give you an opportunity to do the work. Can you go to my final slide? It's my final slide. I want to give you an opportunity to do the work, because uh, our mission is to welcome people to the party. And I told you I wanted to exit this conversation well, and, uh, and so there's a challenge with that. The challenge is I want, I, I want to give you some experience uh, to have the party, uh, I want to give you some experience kind of with each other. You've seen people that you can honor. You've seen people you can love. And I had this grand vision. I had this grand vision. Uh, I was going to get a five-piece marching band to play when the saints go marching in. Wouldn't that have been an awesome, an awesome end? But it didn't quite work out the way that I planned. I got a six-piece marching band. Come on in. Come on in. I got a six-piece marching band. Come on in. So, okay, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Come on in. Uh, 
normally they are more excited for you than anything I said. I just want to be really clear. Normally what happens is there's a benediction and we close out. But here's the thing. There's a party going to go on downstairs. These gentlemen are going to regale us for another hour or two. You're more than welcome to come and get to know each other. Uh, the band, you should feel free to come on up. Uh, and here's what's going to happen. We're going to sing when the saints go marching in. I'm going to walk out. Bishop's going to walk out. If you want the benediction, if you want the blessing, it's going to happen downstairs in the party. Are we, I guarantee you do not want me to lead this. So let's just, let's say I've reached the end of my giftings. I'm at the end of my rope. This is as far as I thought through this. I'm pulling on the ripcord right now, whoever wants to start this. Uh, but I'll just say thank you. You've been absolutely lovely. And, uh, and I, I feel blessed by you. And let's do it. Go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, I want to be in the number when the saints go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, I want to be we'll see. in the number. We'll see everybody downstairs. Oh, my God.